We're jumping in this, uh, this evening to our last uh, week in our series uh, in Advent. And we're leading into this God statement, Jesus is joy. Can you say Jesus is joy? Jesus is joy. And I, I'm so excited to lean in tonight. I, I think joy is one of the most important things that's supposed to mark a believer's life, right? Like if you open up the Bible, like there are so many accounts and passages about joy or rejoicing in God. But I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, uh, I think like often Christian, like Christianians, like Christians, we get a really bad rap because what we like call joy is really just this like really fake, shallow optimism, right? You guys ever had that from a Christian where it's like, you know, bro, like how are you doing? How's life? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm good. And it's like, bro, I know, like, you're going through it right now. Oh, I'm blessed, bro, I'm good. It's like, there's like this level of, like, fake, like, Christianity, this fake, like, what we think is joy that's really just, like, not actually grieving and mourning, like Scripture actually calls us to, which is great. And, and so I want us to lean, lean into, like, what is joy? What, what is joy? What does it mean to actually live with, like, this true joy that isn't based on, on good seasons or bad seasons, that's not based on circumstances? What do we as believers receive? Like, what, what does it mean that we receive joy? Because I, I think I have such a burden for this tonight because I, 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 like, I really don't care about happiness for myself. I, that is not, like, the greatest thing that I care about for my life, for my marriage, for like, my family. I don't really care about, like, your happiness. That sounds, like, so mean, right? Like, how dare you, right? Like, like but I, I, like, I really don't care about, like, happiness because, like, we all know how, like, fragile happiness is, right? How fragile is, like, like, think about some of your, like, most happy moments in life ever. And how, like, they're, like, like these high highs of, like, life is awesome. And then, like, in two seconds, like, you're super angry or super sad. Anyone ever had that? Like, you're having, like, a huge high of, like, life is awesome. I love living. Two seconds later, like, someone annoys you, right? Like, you're, you're new. Like, you have your driver's license for, like, three weeks. And, like, someone pulls in front of you. And, like, you didn't even know that road rage was, like, something we inherit, like, with a fallen nature. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, you could be having a great time. But in a moment, like, anger, there. Like, like big, like, sad boy hours, there, right? Like, it comes like that. And it's like, like where does this come from? I... Like the most vivid like way I've seen this in my life is I remember like my, my fifth or sixth birthday party. We went to a place called Mr. Biggs. Has anyone ever heard of or been to Mr. Biggs? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, what is that name? I don't know. It's a terrible name. We're going to Mr. Biggs. Like, what? But it, it was like this old arcade that like is where the, the D1 training uh, facility is and Trace Church off like Rock Rim in Nevada area. And so we went to Mr. Biggs for my birthday and they had this one specific Star Wars game that was super, super epic. It was based off the return of, I was about to say Return of the King. I'm looking at Teddy's sweatshirt, which is awesome. It was based off the Return of the Jedi, the, uh, the Six Stars movie. And so it's like on, this, some of you, you guys are like, have never seen the movie. If you haven't, you need to. Star Wars is great. I'm kind of a nerd. But uh, it's like based on like the, the Battle of Endor, right? Where like they're kind of going through and like you, they get to like that big like metal, I don't even know what it is, kind of building thing where like where the shield is for the Death Star and they got to blow that up so they can go to the Death Star. You track with me? And so basically at the game is like you kind of like go through like Endor and then you get to like that like that stronghold and you got to go through so that you can win the level. And so like any game, like, like any arcade that wants your money, the way that you can keep going even after you die is like you put another quarter and it's like boom, you get another life, you get another life. So you have a total of three lives. And so I remember I'm like going through the game, five or six year old me was a beast like on this game. And so I'm moving through the levels and I've used it two of my lives. I got one left. 
and I'm near the end of the game. And so I'm near the end of the game, and, and I get shot, and I'm like, it's cool, because I got one more life. And I start looking around for my family, because they had the bag of quarters, right? They had the bag of quarters to make sure like, we stay on a budget. It wasn't just like unlimited. And so I'm looking around for my family, and they're gone. Like they are, they are gone. And this moment of intense happiness of like five or six-year-old me having the greatest birthday memory of my life was turned into like bitter mourning. It wasn't even actually mourning. It was just rage of like, I hate my siblings. Like, I hate my siblings because they took my money. It wasn't actually my money. My parents were like, but they took my money because like the bag was gone. The quarters were gone. And in that moment, I lost the game. Deep, like huge happiness, deep sadness like that. This is what our lives are without Jesus. This is what our lives are when we try to make happiness our greatest pursuit, which is really common in America, right? We are, we are dedicated to the pursuit of happiness. Like that's a Bible verse that we read. And let me tell you, that's just not in Scripture. So this is what I want to lean into is what is joy? A lot of you guys have heard this definition before. But if you're taking notes, I want us to, to write this down. What is joy? Joy is delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. Joy is God's gift and it can be experienced even amid extreme difficulty. Joy is delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. It's a gift. It's something we receive from God. Delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. It's not on the basis of a really great season of life. It's on the basis of everything going great and us feeling happy. It's not on the basis of whether we're going through suffering or trial or not. One of the, one of the greatest ways we see this is the apostles, right? Like if the apostles were like with us right now, we would think they were absolute psychopaths, right? Like you open up the book of Acts and like they have just gotten beaten by like the religious leaders. And like what does it say they do? They go out rejoicing. Like, like they are beaten to a pulp. Like this isn't just like persecution like, oh, they made fun of me because I'm a Christian. No, this is like they are literally getting beaten to a pulp, like being abused and sent out. And as they're going out, they're rejoicing. They're literally like, hallelujah. It's like, why? Because they, they were like, they rejoiced because they were like, we've been worthy. We've been counted as worthy to suffer like our Savior did. Praise God. Like, like, that's insane. And, like, I can say, like, like, here in America, I think so many, like, Christians, we are so, like, averse to experiencing any sort of, like, pain or suffering or, like, not being happy because we have everything at our fingertips. Like, we have, we have like, a dopamine addiction, like, right in front of us because anytime, like, we get a like on a post, it literally hits, like, like a hit of dopamine to our brains. Like, as we're scrolling, as, like, we get to eat anything that we want. Like, you go out from this church and it's like, I, like, the world is my oyster, right? Like, you can eat anything. Like, like, we're very used to, like, getting what we want. And dare I even say, like, like I grew up in this side of Colorado Springs. I grew up in Monument. Like, I, like the context that a lot of us live in is, like, we have a good amount of money. We can usually get things if, if we want it. Like, it. like, if we ask for someone, it's like, there's food ready. Like, like, we don't really understand what it's like to not have something that we desire, Right? And when I think about like the most joyful people I've ever been around, I think about like believers who, who I've met who have come here from different countries and like they are going through like horrible persecution and their families are in turmoil and like in danger and there's a deep joy that they live with. I, I think about the people I met in the Philippines when I went there, of these people who are living in these little shacks like they have nothing. 
They, they literally live off of, off of like fishing and then selling those fish, hoping they, they can have enough food on the table for their families. They literally live day by day. They don't got a nice like savings account. Like, like they are living day by day. And you know the joy that they lived with? The joy that they found in like knowing Jesus and being part of the body of Christ. It was a deep joy that wasn't based on whether they had a lot of money, if they had a lot of resources, or if they were always happy. There was something much deeper. So how do we experience this joy? How do we actually live with this joy? I want to go ahead and just pray one more time before we jump in. I have three simple points and then we're going to spend some more time in worship tonight. It'll be sweet. So go ahead and bow your heads with me and... What I want us to do is, I want us to kind of just settle into a moment of prayer with the Lord where I want, I want us to be honest with ourselves. There's no point in lying or being fake to ourselves. So I, I want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself, like, am I, am I living in joy? What is what is the thing that kind of leads my life? Is it, is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it pressure? Is it you're constantly just image focused? What do people think I look like, act like? What are people thinking about me? I need to, I need to portray a certain image. Do you feel just like deeply exhausted? You're tired of living the life that you've been living. I want you to just ask yourself that. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit maybe to, to search you and to know you and to show where you are right now. Once you recognize that, what I want us to do is just in our own words, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit for help tonight. If you know that you want to live with deep joy and, and you feel like you're not experiencing that, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for help tonight. If you feel stuck in just fear and anxiety running your life, shame and guilt running your life, depression running your life, you have a, an advocate, a helper, someone who's there with you. So I want you just to ask for help. You can literally pray the words, Holy Spirit, help me. You can pray the words, Jesus, I need you. So for another 20, 30 seconds, I, I want you to, to bring your own prayer to the Lord. He hears you. He's with you. Jesus, as we continue tonight, I believe that your desire for your people is for us to live with true, deep joy that is found and anchored in you. So God, I pray for all of us that we would actually live in that, that we would experience that. Lord, that even the way that we, we walk it with you and follow you, the way that we love one another, I pray that we would be a beautiful testimony to the world around us of what it actually looks like to live with deep joy. Not just going from 
desire to desire, momentary happiness to momentary happiness, I pray, Lord, that you would mark us with a deep joy that would glorify you. So would you help us, Lord? Would you convict us tonight and draw us close to you because that's what you desire is for us as your kids to be near to you. We need you, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Three things, three things of how we can live with true joy. There's a billion things we could say about this, but I just have three things on my heart. Number one is this, that we experience true joy when we acknowledge God as the gift giver. We experience true joy, genuine joy that's not fake, that's not just kind of a a blind optimism, when we acknowledge God as the gift giver. I think when we get into these spaces, often when we're, when we're in church, we, we sing songs, we kind of make these declarations where it's like, no, like all I need is Jesus. And, and sometimes we can kind of take this approach to like everything else in the world is like evil and bad. And it's like, no, you can't like be happy with like anything you have, right? Have you guys ever felt like that? It's like, okay, like if I'm going to be a Christian, that means like, okay, like I can't even enjoy like anything in the world. It's like only Jesus, only Jesus. And sometimes I think what we can do is we can vilify like, like good gifts that God has given us. What's up, Hawkin? Welcome, bro. It's good to see you. I love that this is so small. It's just like I feel like we can just do that. Because we, we can all see. It's good to see you, bro. Like, like we, we often vilify. We often kind of almost like make the good gifts that God has given us. We, we kind of put those things as evil. It's like, no, I can't enjoy those things too much. And what I want to speak to tonight is this, is that, that our God is a really good father. Our God's a really good father. And as a good father, he gives us a good gifts, right? Jesus is really clear about this, that how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to his children? God, God wants to give us good gifts. And where we get into trouble is when we try to elevate gifts to the place of God. When we try to elevate a gift that he has given us and we, and we idolize it and abuse it. We, we try to use it and, and make it something to fulfill us. Right? Like, like, and we do this in so many ways. Like maybe there's a gift or a talent that we have where, where God has like given that to you. He's like made you in a specific way where it's like you're going to be a great runner. You're going to be a great basketball player. You're going to be a great actor. You're going to be a great singer. Like, like whatever it is, like you have that gift and some people don't. Right? Like, like can we acknowledge like a fact that like some people in this room can sing. Some people in this room cannot sing well. We can, most of us can sing thankfully. But like, like you, some of us don't sing well. And, and like, that's okay. Like, God's given some of us a gift, and that's beautiful. That's good. But when we get into trouble is when we, we run to these gifts, these talents, or maybe the gifts of a relationship. Whether it's a boyfriend and girlfriend or relationships with friends or family. When we go to those things, those desires, those gifts, those dreams, those people, and we want them to bring us fulfillment. When we want those things, those gifts from God, when we want those things to always bring us happiness, it leads to idolatry and it leads to abuse. We go to that thing to to like fill the role that only God can and then we start to abuse it, to to use it for something for ourselves. We use it for what it's not meant for. That's that's what abuse means. And and so it's like whenever we try to run to a relationship or a gift or a good gift that God has given to us, what we often end up doing is we actually end up using it inappropriately. We, we try to turn a relationship into it being about our happiness, right? Like, and like we see this all the time in marriage where the lie is, well, if you're not happy, just divorce. If you're not happy, if they're not like fulfilling you anymore, just cut ties. 
You don't need that. If someone's not making you happy, you don't need it. You owe it to yourself. And, and these are the messages in the world that are actually fracturing our world and like breaking our world apart. And like we're feeling the effects of that, right? Where, where when happiness and our desires are the main goal, our world falls apart. And, and so what we have to be so careful about is that, is that we don't run to a gift and we, and we idolize it or abuse it and try to twist it into something where it's all about our own happiness. What we do with a gift is we look at the gift giver. I'll say it like this, that we experience deep joy when we receive God's, when we, when we receive God's gift as an expression of his love. We, we experience deep joy. Deep joy, lasting joy. It's not blind optimism. We experience deep joy when we receive a gift from God as an expression of his love, right? Like, like a good dad giving a present to his kid. The point isn't the present. Like, like how many of you guys know, like, like when you were like seven years old one time, like Christmas Day, you got your favorite toy on earth, right? Two days later, where is that toy? Lost, right? Like, to, like, like Christmas Day, you were stoked, like, oh my God. And like two days later, it's like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know, I need something else. Like, like you like totally forget about that thing. That thing is on the back burner. This is what we do when we have disordered desires and priorities. But when we acknowledge the fact that God gives us good gifts because he loves us, what it does is it draws us to him in gratitude. And we say, Lord, thank you for putting that in front of me. So I, I believe we experience deep joy when we acknowledge God as the gift giver. Number two is this, that we experience true joy when we see God's will as better than our will. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1 will also be up on the screen. Allie was just reading us a familiar passage in scripture where, where Mary makes this declaration of worship to the Lord. But if you know the context of that song, we know that, that here in Luke chapter 1, a whole lot happens. Where we have the angel Gabriel coming and appearing to Mary like out of nowhere. And so he comes and he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And says that she was greatly troubled and distressed at the greeting. Of course, the, the classic angel response is, do not be afraid. I, like, do any of y'all get jump scared really easily? Like, I would be terrified. I'd be terrified. Like, it, I get jump scared like that. None of y'all use that. Don't, don't try that. But, like, like, imagine, like, I feel like their response is, like, don't be afraid. It's like, I'll, I'll chill out, but you came out of nowhere. Like, it, anyways. So, do not be afraid. And so, and so what we see is in this conversation, Gabriel starts to tell Mary, hey, you are, you are going to give birth to a son. And the son's going to be the Messiah of the world. His kingdom will have no end. And she asks a really good question. She's like, so how is this going to happen? Because, like, I'm a virgin. It's a great question, right? It's a really, really great question. And, and so Mary's like, how is this going to happen? And what, what, Ga what Gabriel says is, like, is that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and like, the, the presence of God will overshadow you. And you will conceive and you will bear a son. And what we see in Luke 1.38 is this response. Go ahead and put it up, Joseph. What we see in Luke 1.38 is Mary's response. It says, and Mary said, behold... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
I want you to try to think about this. Like, well, a lot of you have probably grown up like reading this story. Like, you kind of know the Christmas story about, about Mary. Like, I want you guys to think about this. Like, like, you guys are all high schoolers in this room. Like, Mary is a teenage girl, which is like weird to think about. It's like a teenage girl, like maybe like a sophomore junior in high school. Like, one day she's coming home from college pathways, and all of a sudden, like, boom, angel appears to her. Like, right, can we, can we make this real? Like, if this is, like, modern day, like, comes home from college pathways, a normal day at school, hung out with her homegirls, came home, did her homework, fell asleep, and all of a sudden, like, boom, angel appears. And it's like, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Can we acknowledge how crazy this is, right? Let, let's, let, let's let the Bible be a real story. This is, like, insane, like, I want you to try to put yourself in her shoes. Like, I want you to think about the amount of anxiety and fear you would feel. Tatum was sitting there. Yeah, right? Like, like think about the amount of, like, anxiety and fear that she would feel, like, feel of, like, what, is that, what does that mean? How is this going to happen? How am I going to be the mother of the Son of God? Like, what? And, and not only that, like, think about the fear of, like, the social isolation, Right? Like, like 2,000 years ago, even more so, and we still see this in our culture today, like, like when like a teenage girl gets pregnant, like the amount of like shame that's put on them, the amount of guilt, the amount of, like the amount of times that churches look at those type of people and say, no, 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 we, we don't want your mess. Far be it from us that we'd be those type of people. Like, like think about the social isolation in an extremely religious culture where like, like for someone that was like living in adultery, who, like, who had sex outside of marriage, like you know what the penalty was? getting stoned. Like, this, this wasn't just a light, like, like, just like, just a, like some shame. Like, this is like, her life is on the line right now. Think about that. Think about her thinking about, oh, my future with Joseph might be done. <laughs> right? Like, like, scripture literally tells us that Joseph being an honorable man was just going to kind of like, like separate from her quietly. Like, he wasn't going to make a big scene, but like, he was, he was out. He, he was out. Like, he wasn't believing that story for a second. He was like, Nah, like you were with another dude. I'm out. Like, like I'm not. I'm not doing this. Like, so she's sitting there with intense fear, intense anxiety, social isolation. This is huge, huge news to her. And, and what do we see her response to be? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Your will be done. How do we as a people get to a place where, where even if something feels costly, if something feels terrifying, to respond to God saying, Lord, I trust you. Your will be done. Because what do we see in verses 46 and 47? Like, like A prime, red, we call her A prime because her middle name is Diona, which is great, like Deion Sanders, A prime. So that's, that's where the nickname comes from, Allison Geske. But like, she was reading this, this like song that Mary sings of like, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Like, how do, how do you rejoice? When for so many of us, it's like, like, we would look at it and be like, her life just got completely changed. Like maybe for some people they'd say like her life just got blown up in her face because like God decided to show up. How do we say my soul, like my spirit rejoices in God my Savior? This is why. Because when we know that God's will is so much better than our will, we're able to live in true joy. Because friends, whenever we live for our own desires, when we live for the desire to make ourselves happy, 
for, for success to be the thing that's going to secure our happiness, for, for relationships or popularity to be the thing that secures our joy, like that falls short. And it will leave us discouraged every single time. Like, you, know, you are already experiencing it in your life. You're already seeing the people around you experiencing it. Like, like I think about so many people growing up. You're know, like sitting in these same chairs in at, at youth group where was, they kind of had Jesus, but, but their main hope, their main joy is found in something or someone else. And when that thing or that person let them down, they had nothing. They had nothing. And friends, what I want you to hear tonight is this, that we experience true joy. When Jesus is our treasure. We experience true joy when Jesus Christ is our treasure. Why, why, was, why was this like a thing that Mary rejoiced in? It's because she had waited alongside the people of God for hundreds and thousands of years for a Messiah to show up and to redeem them and to free them and to save them. And so, and so despite what it meant for her, despite the suffering, despite like the shame and the social isolation, despite all of that, she says, my spirit rejoices. Why? Because Jesus, the Messiah, was so much better to her. Can we ask ourselves this question tonight? This is for all of us, every leader, every student, myself. Is Jesus our treasure? Is Jesus supremely better to us than our own desires, our own will? Because if our desires, if our will plays, plays the role of God, we will live in disappointment and discouragement time and time again. But when we live for the will of God, when we understand that we can take joy in Jesus then we understand even in the worst suffering that we're facing, even in the lowest moments of our lives, guess what? He's using that to draw us close to him. He's using that to draw his people closer to himself, even in the midst of suffering. We experience true joy when Jesus is our treasure. And thirdly is, is this, is that we experience true joy when Christ's joy is our joy. We experience deep joy when Christ's joy is our joy. If we're, if we're going with the definition of joy, that, that joy is delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. We, we need to ask ourselves this question, like, what delights God? What brings, what brings delight, what brings deep joy to the heart of God? I think something we see very clearly in Scripture is that God delights in childlike faith. Everyone say childlike faith. Childlike faith. And I, like, this, is the, this is the best way I can think about it. Have you guys ever been around someone who is just like so joyful that automatically just like makes you like live in joy? You guys ever, ever experienced that? Like you're around someone who is just like, like the incarnation that feels like of joy. And so it's like you just, you're just like, I want to be joyful too, right? I'm, I'm just going to too. Like, like I think like a lot of us experience that like with Preem, right? Like she's just a great, like she's amazing, right? It's like, like Preem comes around and it's like, 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 like the greatest thing, I, I have to, no, no one asked me to show this because this would just not be like, this would not be like 
fun for Prem. But I had this amazing video on my phone of Prem just like dying laughing for 30 seconds. And like, like she is doing like a whole like, sounds like she got a black lung cough. Like she is dying, crying, like she's losing it. And like, and like it brings Lindsay and I so much joy. Like we watch it in the most random occasions. Why is this like, she's a joyful person. It's like it brings us joy. Right? Like think about like kids, right? Like, well, like, I, think, I think we see this in kids who like, kids have like nothing to offer us typically, right? Like little kids, it's like usually what they're doing is so like, what are you doing? Like, like if like if any of you were to like come up to me and like like tell me something like a little kid like said, I'd be like, what? But like because they're five years old and cute, it's like, you're amazing, right? Like this, I, 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 there's um there's these two little girls who are flower girls at our wedding, Audrey and Chloe. They're Lindsay's cousins' kids, and so they're they're just the two like cutest little girls on earth. And so over Thanksgiving, we, we spent some time with them. And so it was, it was kind of getting later. And of course, they were just like soaking up all the social energy. They love being the center of attention as like little kids do, right? And so they're just soaking it in. And so mom and dad are finally, okay, guys, like, you know, say, you know, say goodnight. It's time to get ready for bed. And so they're all, you know, going around, giving us hugs. And, and me and Chloe are like this. Like I see her once a year and somehow she still remembers me. She thinks my name is Mateo because she can't say Mateo, which is great. They asked their mom right before we came, who would name their kid Mateo? And she was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, they didn't, but I don't know who would do that. But like, so, so Chloe is coming up and, and she gives me a hug to say, to say goodnight. And then she says, wait, I need to show you my toothpaste. And she, and she runs off over to the bathroom and to her room and to grab her toothpaste and her two uh, toothbrushes. I don't know why she had two, but she did. Like, and it was this moment where it's like, we're all just like laughing. And there's like this sweet joy. Her mom's like over in the corner crying. I don't know why. Maybe it's because she's super cute. Or I don't know. Like, like there was like this deep moment of like this like sweet joy that we experienced. Because Chloe said, let me show you my toothpaste. If any of you came up to me and said, Pastor Mateo, can I show you my toothpaste? I'd be like, what is wrong with you? No. But because it's like this adorable four-year-old girl, she comes and she shows me like her orange-flavored toothpaste. I never seen orange-flavored toothpaste. I, I looked at her mom. I was like, orange flavor? She said, it was on sale. I was like, okay, <laughs> makes sense. I respect it. But like in this, in this moment, like Chloe showing us her toothpaste offered us nothing, right? Like that offered me, that offered me nothing, but I took such deep joy I, I, there was such a sweet joy that wasn't based on my own happiness or like what I could get. It was like, it was just based on the fact that like she was just living in joy. And friends, I believe that we as Christ followers, we can orient our joy around what Jesus Christ finds joy in. Are you with me? This, this is what this means. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. One of my favorite passages in scripture is this, Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2, this is what it says. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you do me a favor? Can you just close your eyes right where you're at? Close your eyes. I want to read this passage again. And I want you to try to picture this. Whatever, whatever that would look like. Maybe it's, maybe it's Jesus hanging on the cross. You think about a, an, old, an old tree, an old cross with blood on it. And huge nails in it. Or maybe you think about 
and try to imagine, imagine Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Beautiful thing. Close your eyes and I want you to try to imagine that. Try to picture something. Let us run with endurance the race that was marked out for us, looking to Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You can open your eyes. What's insane to me about this passage is that, is that this seems like the most like blatant contradiction on earth. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross being horrible pain and suffering. We know this. Horrible pain and suffering. The, the worst physical pain and suffering someone could experience. Suffocating to death. After being flogged and getting skin torn off your back and him bleeding and a crown of thorns in his head. For the joy that was set before him? How does that make sense? That, that we have an invitation to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him was tortured, flogged, mocked, beaten, killed. What was the joy in that? Could, could it be that, that God delights in his people so much that even in the midst of the Son of God's pain and suffering, there was joy because it meant the reconciliation of his people? It meant, it meant the ability for God the Father to be able to adopt you and I into his family? Think about so many passages in Scripture where Jesus talks about how there's, there's much rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. One sinner. They're not waiting for the, the massive altar call. If it's like over 100, then heaven's like, oh, okay, that was significant. 100 people. Wow. No. One sinner in heaven goes freaking crazy. The Father, God the Father, is so excited. I think of the story of the prodigal son, right? Father sees this, this horrible son, like he was the worst. Basically said, Dad, you can just die. I want your money. Son's a long way off, and the father sees him, runs after him, embraces him, hugs him, kisses him. Throws a steak dinner for him. Praise God, steak dinner's good. Like, to celebrate him. Because his joy was not in what he got out of it. The father's joy was not in the fact that, okay, sweet, my son's back. Now I can put him to work as a servant. No. There was joy because the son that was lost, who was dead, is now found. He is alive. And friends, can you just listen to this tonight? God delights in you so much. That you and I can experience deep joy. Whether you, you feel like life is amazing, like that, that's great. Like Enjoy the gifts that God has given let those things draw you to gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. 
But if life is full of grief and pain and suffering, let me tell you, joy is not ignoring those things and acting like those things don't exist. That's just trying to be happy, and that's not what Jesus is going after. Wherever you find yourself, the foundation for our joy is in the fact that God finds joy in relationship with you. For the joy set before me, he endured the cross for you, for you, for you, for me. So this is what I want to do tonight is we're going to sing a few songs and I want us just to, to pray. And for these songs to be a prayer that we are singing to God. Or maybe you're in this room and you know, like, man, I'm, I've been running to other things, other people to, to fill me or to satisfy me, and I don't want to keep doing that. I know that's leaving me discouraged. I know it's leaving me depressed. I know that's leaving me trying to use things, use people for my own happiness. I don't want to do that. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can help you. And if you're in this room and maybe you've been following Jesus for many, many years, and sometimes, like, salvation and good news can just get kind of old. Like the story of Advent, of Jesus coming as a baby to earth, it can get kind of old and, like, yeah, it's a cute story. I want us to, we, we can pray the simple prayer we see in Psalm 51 where, where David prays, restore to me the joy of your salvation. So will you stand with me?